Welcome back to Third Base Dugout, episode 91. We are a little over a month into the season, about a month and seven days or so. Um, and standings are starting to take place. The teams that started hot are starting to fizzle out a little bit. Teams that started cold are bringing back to the mean. Right now, basically, the few consistents in baseball are the Yankees, Mets, and, and, and Dodgers. However, the Dodgers have lost, I believe, five of their last six. Um, but it's uh, – baseball has been pretty fun so far. We had a really fun week last week. Last week, just that Angels game alone was a – I would have been okay if the season was one game and that was it. That was incredible baseball. It was. And, like, if I told you the score, like, I think it was eight to nothing, I think it ended up being. Yeah, like, if I told you the score, like, you'd have been like, all right, what's so great about an eight to nothing ball game in Anaheim between the Angels and the Rays? But – and we'll get to this later. But in all of that game – the so Reed Detmer started, won't get to him yet. But Mike Trout hit two home runs, one off of position player Brett Phillips, who also pitched to Anthony Rendon, who was who's normally a right handed batter, was batting left handed, hit a home run off of Brett Phillips left handed. I'm pretty sure Otani hit a home run, I might be wrong about that. But Reed Detmer's also threw a no hitter in the same game, and the kid is 22 years old. He's the same age as I am. Wait, come on. You're only 22? I'm only 22. I turned 23 in a month and a half. Or not even a month and a half. Like a month and a week. I really am the old man on the pod. You are. You are. Kelly is just slightly older than I am. Gosh, man. Like. Yeah. I mean, 10 years ago, like, you were playing, like, rec ball. It was probably, like, a Little League All-Star. I was in, like, Cooperstown. Right. And meanwhile, I was okay. I won't tell you what I was doing at 22, but still, that's crazy. Like, <laughs> it's crazy to think about that. Like, I, yeah, I, I guess, I guess I'll give you the compliment. You're, you're, you're much more mature for your age. Uh, I appreciate than, that one. Yeah. I would, I mean, yeah, you know, and I know it's weird. I know people are like, but how do y'all do a podcast? And y'all don't know this about each other. I just didn't know. Just talk like, baseball. Like, it's, yeah, uh, like, I mean, we don't talk life. We do a little bit, like little in, bit. Certain, in certain, in but it's never like we've like, you know, hey, what's your what's your Tinder bio say? Like, it's never yeah. been a topic of discussion to be like, hey, how old are you? Like, ASL, age, sex, and location. Like, nobody's ever asked. That. We just, <laughs> and like, I, I think that's like the best part about us, rather than I mean, most other podcasts you might listen to. They really, they sometimes they'll dive into their personal lives and everything, and like. And they'll before they even get into the topic, they're talking about, oh yeah, I went and saw this movie this weekend. Oh, it's a football podcast. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, but like, here we are. We talk about baseball from the jump. Yeah, we do. I mean, minor rabbit holes here and there. Yeah, it's normally all about baseball, though. That is true. Normally, yeah. uh, but either way, Reed Detmers was the same age I am. Was drafted less than two years ago, and threw a no hitter in the major leagues last week. Um, I believe he is the youngest since I couldn't tell you. I forgot who was the youngest since. Maybe Pedro. Uh, I don't think Pedro. No, Pedro was a reliever that early in his career. Yeah, the crazy thing is, I don't think Pedro ever got a no hitter. Like he, he had that yeah, one he game. Might be right about that. Yeah, where he was throwing a perfect game through nine, but the score was zero zero, and I think he gave it up in the tenth, or he went ten innings of perfect, and then the coach pulled him. And they end up, I want to say they end up losing that game as well, but he never like threw a no no for his career, which is weird. So here's some cool things. Um, oh, okay. To add on to um, like that entire game, it was Otani's MVP trophy ceremony at the beginning of that game, too. Just what a night for Angels fans. It was unbelievable. Um, but so he is the youngest Angels pitcher to ever throw a no hitter. I'm still trying to find, um, but the Rocket City Trash Pandas, which top tier minor league baseball name, um, they're the double A affiliate of the Angels. A year ago, on the date of his no hitter, so a year ago from the date of his no hitter, he started the first game in Trash Pandas history. 
like in that in like that franchise history. And he came out two levels since then and threw a no hitter. That's what's crazy. That's like there's so many crazy things about that. It's just it's wild. It's wild. Also, the first Angels no hitter since they did it on the uh, night they memorialized uh, Tyler Skaggs. Tyler Skaggs, yeah. Yep. yep. That was uh, one of the coolest nights of baseball that I th- that I remember watching. Um, just I, I remember watching at least probably 80% of that game, like the second or third inning on. Um, but super cool, super cool. But rabbit hole, we won't have, we don't have to go down there. Um, uh, well, before we get started, make sure you go follow our uh, Twitter at third base dugout baseball news podcast episodes, you name it. Um, we got it. Uh, but Mike. I wanted, we were talking about the Tigers and the Cardinals earlier. Like we do every single episode beforehand, we talk about the Tigers and the Cardinals. Um, of the Tigers, 34 games this season. Okay. Keep that in mind. 34 games. And this has to be the worst in baseball by far. They have scored more than four, four runs. So five or more. Five times. That's it. Five times. They have scored four or less runs 29 times this season. So do you think that's a byproduct of your hitters not being good enough or? I think it's a byproduct of literally everything. It's like, it's, it's like, I can't even narrow it down to one thing. It's so bad. Like if, if it was like, Oh, we're just not slugging, like whatever. We're not getting on base. We're not even making contact with the baseball. We're striking out at an astronomical rate. We're not slugging. We're not fielding the baseball, like which I mean that has nothing to do with scoring runs, but like it just snowballs every single game, and that's why we're eleven and twenty-three. But like this Torkelson can't get going. Miggy is literally our best hitter right now, and the dude's like thirty-seven years old. Um. Baez came back and he he had a home run. Uh, I think it was last night. So very excited about that. Um, we had two home runs in a game for the first time, and I think it was like three weeks. Um, the uh, yesterday, yeah, yesterday, yeah, it was unbelievable. Like they, like we, we don't hit home runs. We we I'm pretty sure at one point Anthony Rizzo had more home runs than the Tigers. Um, it's it's bad. It's bad, Mike. Outside of the strikeout part, I was gonna ask if it was. Do you think it had anything to do with the dead baseball? Well, that that it doesn't help that we play in a pitcher's ballpark with dead baseballs. Yeah, 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 I, and we don't have guys that'll shoot the gaps. <laughs> it's true. Well, it, as for as bad as it is, it could still be worse. It could be zero and thirty-four. That is true. And you could have Jeff Albert as your hitting coach. I'd rather have Jeff Albert. Y'all have at least scored the 15 first runs in baseball. I, if I was the GM, I would trade you him for like a half-eaten bag of sunflower seeds with the shell spit back in there. That's literally like, all the Tigers are worth right now. I, w- I would take it. And I would even offer to do like the team laundry for you guys to take him for like a week. But Miggy, uh, Miggy is a lock, so he cannot be traded away. No, that's he, cool. Like, he yeah. will be on the new age Tigers with, with Jeff Albert. I feel bad for Miggy. Don't care. He's, he, he, he's he's uh, he's paid his dues to be a Tiger. Like, I, I I just don't understand because it's it's almost like a philosophy thing is being shifted mid game and mid you know series mid inning. You know, it's like we'll come out one game and it's hey. hey you know, attack the fastball. Like, we're going to hit fastballs early. Like, even in some cases, if you make early outs, we're fine with that because, you know, we're being aggressive, hitting the ball hard. It's just finding gloves. And then other times, it's like, no, we're just going to take until we get, you know, two strikes and, you know, not attack first pitch fastballs that are in the zone. So you get yourself in this hole and then you're having to become defensive right away. <laughs> and I, I'm just like, how is your philosophy shift? that much like yes certain pitchers you want to be like hey let's make them work a little bit you know you don't want to go up there just hacking off a scherzer you know every first pitch but at the same time you know you i don't know it's just it's irritating you know just you go from where you're scoring like eight runs in one game and then the next game you know you'd be lucky to scratch across one 
you know, I'm like, bro, just get this man away. Like, yes, at some point it does fall on the actual hitters, and even for the Tigers, it falls on the hitters to to be better. Oh, yeah. yeah, they're major leaguers. They can yeah. generally figure it out for themselves. Yeah, but, like, I would be curious to know what what a major league or professional hitting coach, like, what his responsibilities are. I guess just tweak minor things. I don't, I don't really know. I, I would just be curious because it's – uh, like I know that you're you're responsible basically for, or at least what I assume is that you're responsible for your organizational's hitting philosophy. So it starts top down, same as it would for a pitching coach. That that philosophy starts from the top down, you know, from major leagues down to a ball. But you know, even if you're great at drafting a philosophy, it's how do you implement those things? How do you get players to buy in and like, I, I really think that if we fired Jeff Albert, we would probably, like, take off and win, like, 15 straight. Right, right. Right, right. Term- I could actually probably get us a hitting coach on the podcast, major league hitting coach. I know. So I would love to just be able to pick his brain about, like, what is it that, that you're responsible for? And then, how like, what is it that you're doing with hitters, you know, the big league guys that you're around every day? Like, what is that preparation looks like? Yeah. Or how do you attack things? Yeah, there's – um. Casey Dykes, he's the assistant hitting coach for the Yankees. Um, he coached at VMI while I was in high school, and he recruited me out of high school. And so I've got his phone number. I can at least shoot him a text. Um, so just like a why not. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. He, he might respond. He might not. I don't even know if he remembers me. He probably recruits lots of kids every year. But, um, yeah, just, we'll see. Just see don't tell him about you. Just, just hope that he didn't, like, go to, like, your baseball reference page at that point that yeah like ah never mind i can't talk to them i I would have no rebuttal for that (laughs) if he brings that up in the middle of of talking to him major league hitting coach bringing up my baseball reference page i have no rebuttal but that means you've made it that means you've made it exactly they're looking at me in the major league that is that is how i will spin that is they're looking at me in the major league it's all about how you spin it just don't like the bad thing is the hitting coach He'd first go to the hitting stats. There are none. So, you know what? That's that's a fresh guy off the bench. That is true. That's a fresh guy off the bench to swing at 95+. plus. But when you're like, oh, yeah, you recruited me, and he's like, okay, cool. Let me see what I did. Let me see what I did. I love it. I love it. Oh, man. All right, let's get into some baseball, huh? Um, Some quick notes. Uh, Kershaw goes to the I.L., um, I don't, it doesn't seem like it's going to be a lengthy stint. I think it's just um, like a, like forearm tightness, I believe it was. Um, and so he probably won't be there for long. And then um, Jared Kelnick got sent down. Finally, he really uh, struggled to say the least. Um, let me pull up his stats here. Uh, wow. He's actually not even eligible for the batting title. Um, so now I got to go to freaking Google instead of the MLB app. That sucks. So Jared Kelnick this season was batting 140 with 12 hits and 86 at-bats, um, 10 RBIs. In his career, over 423 at-bats, batted 173. So the guy has just astronomically struggled. Over the course of his basically year and a half MLB career, no less than less than a year. Wow, less than a year MLB career so far. Um, might be too early to call him a bust, but I may or may not have thrown that word around in a group chat the other day. Shout out to my uh, baseball fantasy boys. Um, I know you guys listen to the podcast, so thank you. But um, yeah, I might have thrown around that that Jared Kelnick was a bust. In the uh, in the old group chat, it's getting pretty close to that. Yeah, but then I, I also followed it with that Spencer Torkelson would be right behind him going down to Triple A. He's batting like one fifty six right now. But back back to Kelnick. Um, it's safe to say that I think the Mets won the um, the trade there. Uh, I mean, I mean, they got Edwin Diaz out of it. Yeah, but you're still having to pay Robbie Cano. Even though you just DFA'd him. I was about to say, the Padres, they just pick him up. But I think he had already cleared waivers beforehand. 
yeah. So I mean, the Mets are still on the hook for for the rest of that salary. Yes, you got Edwin Diaz. Uh, I mean, I would probably say off of that alone. Let's be real though. Does salary really matter with Steve Cohen? Clearly not if he's willing to pay no. a guy to not be there. But <laughs> he does not care. No, but also I don't think that. To be honest, I don't think Steve Cohen would have made that move had he owned the team at that time. I don't, mm. I don't, I don't think that at least not for Robbie Cano. Now, could I have seen Kelnick still getting traded? Yes, yeah. but I don't think it would have been for Robbie Cano um, and Edwin Diaz. That probably would have been somebody else. But yeah, Kelnick, I, I don't know. I think that it's one of those moments where as much as you have um, the bravado and the swag of a player, like at some point you got to back it up. And I think that he was just, it, it, it's an humbling experience, you know, where he's going to have to just kind of say, Hey, all right, I'm back here at AAA. Let me get myself back to the major. So I don't have to come back down again, you know, and, and start to figure stuff out. Um, you know, so like I said, when he first came up, I started getting like a mini Bryce Harper vibe, but it was more so from not from the production, but from the bravado and persona that was there. But Bryce backed his up. Um, Kelnick, not as much. So. Nope. Um, all right. Oh, wait. Uh, hold on. Because nope. Paul DeYoung also got demoted. Yeah, he'll All-Star. be a Tiger anyway soon. Anyway, hey, he'll, yeah, and he'll bat even worse than he was. Can we give you him and Jeff Albert? Throw in Tommy Edmund, and we have a deal. Nah, I can't do that one. I will give you. I'll give you Michael Pineda. Nah, pitching we're fine. Uh, <laughs> so how how about this? We give you Paul DeYoung and Jeff Albert, and you give us your um, single A equipment manager for the visiting dugout. That guy I've heard is pretty good. I heard he was too. That's why. That's why I, I he's would a pretty like good. To. He's a pretty good clubby. Yeah. So let's I, I, that deal. I will make with no hesitation. <laughs> And I will even throw in a bag of, of, of salt and pepper seeds for you guys. <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, but uh, all jokes aside, like with, with Paul DeYoung, he's he struggled for really like the last two and a half years. Like he made the all-star team, um, I think it was three years ago. But it really was based off of a really strong first half. Yeah, 2019, he made an all-star team. When you look at his numbers, it can be a little bit misleading because he had he hit 233 with 30 homers, 78 RBIs. Um, but he really just wrote a really strong first half. Cause I think by the all-star break, he had I think he might have had like 20 or 22 by that all-star break. And then he just kind of plummeted downhill. And then yeah. you know, 2020 being what it was, he had 250, which you're like, okay, that's 45 games, small sample size. Um, and then last year he hit 197 with 19 homers, 45 RBIs. And then this year through 24 games, hit 130 with one homer and seven RBIs. Um, yeah. Um, I ain't going to cut it. Yeah. Like, it, I, I think they were trying to hold out hope for him, which as a Cardinals fan, it, you know, kind of stings a little bit because – a lot of a lot of fans will agree that we kind of saw this coming. We were hoping that he would turn it around, but we had seen what he'd done the last three years. And when you have the class of shortstops that you had this past year with uh, Baez, Correa, Story, and then we say, "Hey, no, we're going to stick with Paul DeYoung," you know, knowing what we could have had, you know, stings a little bit. So. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. But the rookies will come up and do well. I, I think you'll be all right with it. Um, all right. Uh, I'm trying to make this as how, how we can condense this a little bit because some of these conversations that we can have could get a little long-winded, especially the first one that we're going to have. 
here. Um, we have yet to talk about the dead baseballs on this podcast. Um, I saw a clip. So Jorge Soler and Abasayo Garcia hit. It was the exact same night, 80 degrees at first pitch in Arizona at Chase Field. Um, I think the velocity coming in was about two mile an hour difference. I think it was like 92 and 90 um, between the two. But Abasayo hit it the exact same uh, exit velocity and the exact same launch angle as Jorge Soler. However, Jorge Soler's went about 30 feet farther. And originally, I just thought basically, you know what? Maybe all the baseballs are dead. Baseballs aren't going anywhere. Nobody's slugging the ball as well as we had anticipated maybe Aaron Judge. Um, But, like, no one's really hitting tanks. Uh, And then I see this, and I'm like, there are definitely two different types of tampered balls in the loop right now. Like there are juice balls and there are dead balls in the same loop. MLB has a big problem with this. Big problem. Like I'm, I'm so beyond the fact that we have a sport that, you know, it, it prides itself on integrity and no like steroids or anything in the hall of fame. Like, but now we have these dead ball and live ball eras, and now we've got in the same game two different types of baseballs being thrown at these guys. Avisail Garcia, I mean, off the bat, if you just watch it, it looks like he hits the ball 520 feet. I mean, like he took Mad Bum yard and it hits off the top of the wall. I mean, he's sitting there jogging around first. He finally picks his head up, and he realizes the left fielder's throwing it in, and he's like, what the heck? Meanwhile, Jorge Soler, same pitch, same exit velocity, same launch angle, hits at 415 feet. It's like, how are we doing this? I I really wish that I had, like, a solid theory on it. It just... It's baffling, you know, because going into it, it was, oh, we want more offense. You know, we want more offense. We, we're tired of seeing the four true outcomes. But now you are in a lot of ways trying to eliminate one outcome, you know, and that's the home run. That, you know, with the ball being manipulated the way that it is, it's not, it's not good because if you're talking more about you know, how the ball is carrying or not carrying, then you're missing the quality of what's actually on the field and what's going on. Um, I definitely think they need to figure it out, you know, to be able to get a consistency there. I know that every team has, in some ways or another, switched to the humidors, you know, which is supposed to give sort of like a cores effect to every, you know, field, you know, for having the balls in there. Whatever the case may be, clearly that's not working. Right. Or maybe it's at different temperatures at different places, like who knows, like how it's really working. But whatever it is, you know, let's, you know, figure it out so that the game can be played at its purest point. You know, if I don't, I don't know, man, it's baffling. You know, you right. want to see you want to see guys get rewarded for what they're doing well. You know, and then, you know, it's almost at this point where you're going to have guys coming up there with, you know, corked bats trying, to, you know, trying to get one out, you know, because of the fact that, hey, I got to overpower this dead baseball, you know, that's soft, like the core is softened up. So, which I did read that, that they said that the, like the inner weavings, like that first layer or so, first layer or two have been softened, you know, to kind of take some of the flight out of the ball. Um and just wind that thing up, let it loose, let the guys play. You know, you're still going to get uh, – you're still going to get a decrease probably in offense because, you know, guys still going to swing and miss. But overall, man, like just – it's not fun sometimes watching it. You know, you hear the sound of the bat, and for baseball guys, you know what that sound sounds like, the crack of the bat, and you're like, oh, that's gone. And then the center fielder is – barely moved and it's in his glove yeah yeah 
It's unbelievable. It really is. Um, I think we kind of summed that up. I don't know if we really have to even dig into that a little further. I think most people that listen to this, I think, will kind of know what we're talking about. They've watched baseball. They understand. Um, it's been bad on baseball's part for that. Um, moving on here. So we talked about the Reed versus no hitter. I don't know if we really have to go into that again. Um, congratulations to him though. Yep. The second, second no hitter this year. First, uh, solo no hitter, um, by, uh, by a pitcher this season, uh, Mets through the first one, I believe it was on, was on Sunday night baseball. No. I can't remember what, what night of the week. It might've been Sunday night baseball, but, um, Mets threw a no-hitter earlier this year, combined no-hitter. Uh, Tyler McGill started that one. But uh, Reed Detmers throws the first solo pitcher no-hitter um, of the season. So congratulations, Tom. Yeah, congrats to Buddy. Um, um, all right. Royce Lewis got called up, finally. Yes. He's like 45 years old. <laughs> finally got called up. I'm pretty sure he's only like 23, actually. Um, he is... How old is he? Let's see. Royce Lewis. He hit, by the way, he hit his first career home run, and it was a grand slam last night. Adam McGrady. Yep, that was pretty cool. He's actually 22 years old. Same age as you. Hey, birthday's coming up. So he, he turned 23. I was close. Um, feels like he's been in the minors for decades. Um, but they, they, they brought him up and he's making an immediate impact bat number 300, uh, obviously got a granny to his name now. Um, some solid stuff from Royce Lewis and then the first place twins. How about that? Can't say I saw that coming, you know, going into the season. Yeah. Did not have them picked as a front runner at, least, at really at any point, but uh, me either. I, I didn't think they'd be a front runner. I thought they would at least contend pretty well but i didn't think they'd be a front runner at all but um so uh keep an eye out, out for royce lewis former uh I know he's, he was a top five prospect for a while i don't think he was ever a top prospect but i'm pretty sure he was i thought he was number one you know for a, a brief period like he got hit with some injuries at this like he tore his acl last year which they thought that was a chance that he would have made the opening day roster hmm. um you know, and, and whatnot, but yeah, it is, it is cool to see him there and to be able to play and, you know, produce and live up to, you know, that hype of him being such a highly touted prospect, though it took longer for him to get there. Um, I can see that because I, is Correa back? No, he's hurt right now. Yeah. So I can see that being a situation where they try to find a way to keep him on the field with the way that he's playing. Like yeah. he's playing well enough that you don't just send him back down. You know, you're interested to see where they him. put him. Yeah. I mean, yeah, defensively. I like just kind of platoon, like, yeah. or, like um, DH one of the the three of, or really the four of uh, Urshela, Correa, Lewis, and Polanco. I guess yeah. you could really just kind of rotate those around. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. I think that's probably, I guess, their best bet if they want to keep Lewis up. Yeah, not not but, a bad, not a bad problem to have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, looks like Kyle Schwarber might have just hit his. Oh no, Kyle Schwarber just hit a bomb though. So Bryce Harper. Um, all oh, right, wait, let's play. My, what? my my bad. Otani just hit career homer number one hundred. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. just happened. The Angels are really fun. They are a really fun team right now. Mike Trout is back to MVP form through 35-ish games. Um, he's pretty sure he's leading in OPS right now. He's uh, He's got, I think, nine home runs, batting 315. He's back, back to being Trout, which is always good because if you mix Trout and Otani, that's – and also Taylor Ward. Let's not forget Taylor Ward, the the new age Mike Trout. The guy is literally unstoppable, or was at least for a while. He kind of cooled off, but uh, he was unstoppable for a long time. But I wanted to – so this was actually um, brought up to me, uh, this next segment, and it's the last segment we're going to do. But um, 
it was brought up to me by a listener and he asked us to to do this as to whether we are buying or selling these topics so like taking what has happened over the course of the season so far are we gonna are we buying that that will keep happening or will at least be a reasonable like be a reasonable reasonable thing to say in august september or are we gonna sell it say no chance this keeps up no like no shot so first one i'm gonna roll with the twins lead the al central right now the white Sox have started poorly they've got injuries lance lynn has been uh hurt uh thankfully for their sake michael kopik is pitching the lights out right now but dallas keiko has like a 12 era so kind of yin and yang there um But they can't field the ball. They're struggling to hit. Like the Twins are clicking, though. The Twins lead at the moment by a couple games. So uh, are you are you buying the Twins hype? Let's are you could they stay on this pace? Uh, I'll say yeah. I, I think that they can because I mean they're leading, but it's not like they're running away with the division. So I think that they could definitely keep the pace that they're on um, to maintain their standing. Um, I, I think that as the season gets a little bit deeper, some of their awards are going to show a little bit more. So it's kind of hard to just jump all the way in, but I'm not, I'm not completely like ready to sail them off um, as not being a contender in that division. Okay. All right. I, I think I'm going to buy that too. I, I think the twins, um, the twins pitching staff is a lot better than I was giving them credit for uh, before, before the year started. I thought they were going to be horrendous on the mound, but um, Joe Ryan might be a rookie of the year candidate on the mound. Um, he's been pretty good. Sonny Gray's been, been, been pretty decent. Um, they're not lacking behind that Jose Barrios trade right now. It has been okay for them, um, and they still have Austin Martin in the farm system, which they have a, a very much a surplus of shortstops right now. I, I did kind of forget that. Like they, they have a large surplus of shortstops. But the last that I really kind of checked in on him, which granted it's been a while, um, he had been taking some reps in center. Hmm. So, I mean, no, that doesn't help. Oh, yeah, with, Byron Buxton's spot. Where, where is yeah. he going to go? No, but – you know, you could make a case for Martin when he's ready, possibly filling in one of those outfield spots. Um, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't see him cracking the infield anytime soon. Unless but. he takes Gerald Urshela's spot. Like if, if they're ready to bring him up, they could move Ur- Urshela or, I mean, wait for his contract to end. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, yeah, they've, they've, they've got a pretty dang good left side of the infield cooking there. In Minnesota. Um, all right. So two guys that have started the year so, so well for their respective teams and kind of really under the radar guys. Um, let me see. I'm going to bring up their stats right now. Uh, I got gallons up. If you're ready, yep. if you want so both of them lead all of baseball in ERA right now. Uh, and actually, they're tied, which I didn't know prior to re- prior to typing the show sheet. I actually just I pulled the, to- the two of those off the top of my head. I was like, they, these are two guys that play on crap teams that could maybe be a Cy Young. Um, but Pablo Lopez being one of them who has he has just been unbelievable uh, for the Marlins. And then Zach Gallen, both uh, for the Diamondbacks, both pitchers have a 105 ERA currently. Pablo Lopez sits at four and one and Zach Gallon sits at two and oh. Are you buying either one of these two guys to be Cy Young candidates? I'm going to go with yes. Um, I am buying Pablo Lopez. This is the second year of being consistent on the mound for him. Um, and I think he is only getting better, which it's hard to get better than a 105 ERA. But 
like I think over the course of 162 games or like 30, 33 starts or so, he is only getting better progressively. So I, I think um, as this young core for the Marlins moves up into the ranks and become one of the better pitching staffs in, in baseball, I think Pablo Lopez and Sandy Alcantara will be spearheading that. And I, I mean, Pablo Lopez, is, whenever I've watched him, he is just, he's not a strikeout guy. He's a pitch to contact guy, but he, I mean, he's just, he's just fantastic. So I'll, I'll buy Pablo Lopez, but I'm not buying, I'm not buying anything Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, first of all, we will not slander the Arizona Diamondbacks with the, uh... Friend of the podcast, Joe. yeah, Joe Manaply. We, we love you, bud. <laughs> Which I think he's got a couple of saves this year. So, uh, Heck yeah. Well, Mark Melanson's got like a seven ERA, so I would hope so. Right. Um, out of, out of the two, and I'm gonna buy. I'm gonna buy on this as well. But out of the two, I actually picked Gallo. Hmm. Um, just track record wise, the guy has thrown to a. He came in the league in 2019. I think it was 2020. He had a ridiculous year. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So he, he had a really good year in 2020. Granted, COVID shortened. And then he just kind of had a rough year last year. Um, but prior to that, so 19 and 20, he's thrown to a sub three ERA. Um, 281 and then a 275 in 19 and 20. 21, you know, jumped up to a 4-3. Um, but I think that his success track record wise is a little bit more sustainable, right? Do I think he's going to throw to a sub one or any other way close to one? Um, I wouldn't put it past him right now with these dead balls, if that continues, but all jokes aside, I, I, I think that his success is a little bit more sustainable um, just based off of where he's been, you know, the last few years. Um, but no, it's definitely, good to see both of those guys because they're both young, you know, 26 or below, you know, 26, 27. Um, and they, they attack in a way that's not necessarily overpowering fastballs. Like they pitch, you know, and I, I like seeing pitchers pitch and not just throw. Yep. So, yep, exactly. Exactly. I like that. We're, we're both buying somebody there. Yeah. Um, two, two guys that not many people hear of. They're making a, making a name for themselves. So um, here's another guy that has had a bit of a, I mean, I don't even know if I call it a resurgence. Like he's always been good, but he's always just kind of flown under the radar. Manny Machado, are we buying him for MVP this year? I personally, I'm going, yes. I mean, I, I think Machado is, is having a, a resurgence of being a pure star of baseball um, to his credit. And without Tatis, he's, really anchoring the Padres right now, keeping them in second of that division. And when Tatis comes back, it, I think it's only up for Machado. I'm buying him as a candidate. Like, I'll put him in that. I think that he'll sustain it. And, and his low point this year still will bring him, you know, better than most. Um, but I think that what you're – like, what you hit on, how much of a star he still is – um, even without, you know, Tatis there. But you also seen even last year how good it was a rough year for them. But you've seen how much of a leader and how much he's grown. You know, so I think that that maturity is also carrying over to his at-bats. Like he's having, for all intended purposes, mature MLB at-bats, right? Like it's not the childish at-bats from earlier where it was just kind of hacking and trying to go for it off the rip. You know, he's putting together mature at-bats where you start to call him or really realize how professional of a hitter he really is. So, so are, are you – so you are not buying him for MVP. You're buying him for candidate. Yeah. Because I, I think – so what, what would really play a factor in that is when Tatis comes back and how he does when he comes back, um, how much that may draw away from – how much that may draw away from, from Machado's success. Um, if Tatis comes back and he's hitting, you know, 280 something and he drops 30, you know, 30 homers, I think that that'll pull some of that attention away from Machado. Um, as opposed to if Tatis struggles a little bit, 
but Manny's the one keeping them afloat. You know, he'll get his just due there. Because yeah. um, it would show how valuable he is, and that would help the right. award no matter what. Yeah. yeah. But as we as we have often learned dealing with me, I believe that narrative often writes the awards for MLB. You know, in more cases than not, it's the narrative of what can sell there as opposed to some cases like the true essence of what, you know, who should win. Yeah. Um, you get a lot more narrative and storytelling there. Yep, exactly. Exactly. All right. Um, next one. And I wrote it down as a, in a strange way, because obviously this would almost never happen, but all five NOS teams right now are 500 or better. Um, I say buy or sell on this because Are you buying the Rockies and Diamondbacks being better than we anticipated? Uh, yeah, I will buy that. Because obviously we knew the Dodgers, Padres, and Giants would all be above 500 and, and just kind of take walk through the Rockies and Diamondbacks. However, the Diamondbacks are like two or three games above 500 right now. The Rockies, are, I think, are exactly at 500. And, I mean, every single team in the division through a month and a week is over 500. It's pretty crazy. It's yeah. pretty crazy. I will, I will give them credit for being – I will buy that they are better than we, we expected. Yeah. I, I'll give them that. Um, this – I mean, the numbers are there to show it, you know, like I said, a month in or two months, month and a half in, you know, it's, you start to kind of get a feel for who the team is. Like, are they going to compete for the division? Probably not. They'll probably taper a little bit, but as far as their potential or their peak of being, are they a good ball club? I would definitely put, you know, those two up there as a surprise, Um, you know, but also playing in that division with everybody being above 500, um, you know, somebody is going to pull away and one of those other teams are going to fall down. I'm going to buy the Diamondbacks, but I'm not buying the Rockies. I think the Rockies will still end up being pretty dang bad because their pitching staff is just so brutal. Um, but the Diamondbacks are the worst hitting team in baseball. If they just turn that around a little bit and compete with their pitching staff for being half decent, they can be half decent. Yeah, but like so, your question the way that you just asked so like, like Ketel Marte you... is terrible this year. Right. He's been terrible. Sure. That's not gonna get. That's not gonna continue. Right, but like when you ask the question, you're like, "Hey, are we buying both teams being better than what we thought?" So I was thinking, of, like, in a prism of it, like, okay, yeah. yes. Then, then in a grand in the grand scheme of it, yes, I am buying them being better than we thought yeah, because I, I think the Diamondbacks make up awful. for it over the the Rockies. Fair. Yeah. And can I just can I just give uh our man Joe Metaplot some love here? Did he come in the game tonight? I don't think so. I'm just looking at his stat line. 14 games, one and oh, a point seven seven ERA, Woo! two saves. He did come in the game tonight. He lowered that ERA, Mike. Nice. Uh, how, how about how about an inning from our guy tonight? Uh huh. He came into the he came into the eighth inning. Uh, got an inning. No hits. No runs. No earned. No walks. Two strikeouts. Dropped two the ERA to point seven one. I'm gonna get on the train early and say Joe for All Star. Voting for no, Joe. Like, obviously, we're not gonna answer this because we we have no bias towards any of our guests whatsoever. But you know, Joe, I know you do it because you're actually friends, like you're friends with Joe. But like Joe's making a case over Chris Taylor and Jackie Bradley. That is true. He's making a case. That is true. Friend of the pie. We need to get him back on. Yeah. We do. We'll see what we can work out. We got to have the third base dugout uh, rub right there. You know? Yeah. We got to go with some sort of luck, make the all star game. Yeah. Well, and we'll 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 see our tickets in, yeah. in LA. 
the way he's going right now, he's probably not wanting to talk to anybody. <laughs> he's like, whatever I've been doing, I'm gonna stick to doing it. I, like, say, I don't know how superstitious superstitious of a guy he is, but yeah. yeah um, well, just say, look, you, buddy, you have two options. One is to come on the podcast. Two is to get his tickets to the All Star game. Those are your only two options. Yeah, I, will, I will take either one. <laughs> we are using your family tickets. Sorry. <laughs> no, that would oh, be man. cool. Uh, do they, when do they come to Washington? I don't know. Let me check. Um, yeah, we, might, we might need to go see Joe for on-field BP. That's true. Uh, let me see here. I'm just pressuring him into doing a bunch of things that he would probably never do. I don't know if he's got that kind of pool around the uh, Diamondbacks uh, clubhouse there. Right. Although when you have a .7 ERA, I think you you have a lot of pool. That's true. You you can you can send somebody to get your coffee. Uh, you know, with that with that ERA. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, they don't come to Washington anymore. Oh, they already came to Washington. Dang it. Missed it. Yeah, they had a four game set with Washington earlier this year. Well, it's always next year. Yeah, it's always next year. But all right, last uh, last topic here is it the Angels' year to not win the World Series? I won't go there. Is it the Angels' year to make the playoffs and or? Win the division. You can buy one or sell one. Okay, what were my options again? So you can buy them to win the division, or buy them to make the playoffs, but sell them to win the division, or you could buy both or sell both. I know you guys are probably going to hate me, but I'm selling both. Oof. I'm selling both. I think, honestly, I think it's one of the situations right now where they're peaking like way early. Like they're peaking way early. Like they might be I, good. That's an outside chance. Like, and I'm not saying that they're bad. I was like their record shows they're pretty good, but it's I don't know. You, it's one of those things where when you have this many guys kind of clicking at one time, you really run the risk of that same amount of guys kind of going cold at the same time. And then you're scratching your head trying to figure out what's going on, who's not doing what. Um, you know, if you got a couple guys clicking and going well in the lineup, you know, when they come back down to earth, maybe you got a couple of the guys to step up. Um, but to have this many guys playing that well, um, I kind of call it an aberration right now. You know, I got to see that pan out more. Um, I, But also, as much as you don't want to say it, it comes down to health for them. Yeah, always does. Your best ability is your availability. And, you know, with their injury history, I don't know. It's like I'm selling both. I think they'll be closer to a playoff spot. I just don't think that they'll actually get there and they're not going to win a division. So I I think there's there's two options for the Angels. They're either going to win the NOS or AOS or they'll literally go 500 like they do every other year. But I know I, I speculate a lot with the Mets about their consistency of health. Um, and, like, that's why I didn't pick them to win the division and everything. But, like, I'm going to buy them to make the playoffs and sell them to make the, to win the division. I don't think they'll win the division. I think they'll make a wild card. But especially with the way the Red Sox are playing, the Red Sox are terrible. Like, like they're like they're almost gonna play themselves out of the wild card in May, um, but I I'm gonna just keep on the account of Trout Otani being healthy, Rendon being healthy, Noah Syndergaard being healthy. What a pickup that's been! Syndergaard's been fantastic for him. Uh, Michael Lorenzen's been been was pretty decent in his first couple starts. Has struggled recently, but. Um, like these these guys that are playing so well for them and now like Ward has has kind of fallen off, but they're still winning a lot of games. Detmers is coming into his own. Jared Walsh has yet to get going and they're still this good. It's like 
I'm going to, I'm going to buy him. I'm going to, I'm going to buy Mike Trout and Shohei Otani to make the playoffs together for the first time. I, I really wish I could share your optimism, but just, I know. I, I can't right now. Like, I, I again, I think that they're just kind of peaking kind of early, like way early, you know, and it, they're going to regress to the mean a little bit because, you know, as you get later into the year, again, yes, we, we go back to health, but health plays a part into everybody. But it's, you know, I don't know how many more, and no disrespect, but like no names coming in you know, are going to be able to make those type of impacts like Reed Detmers. Uh, they had a guy the other night, Chase, I think, Silsith or something like that, threw mm-hmm. six innings, one hit, you know, in his debut. Yeah. Like, that's going to be, you know, tough to keep relying on. Um, so, I don't know. I'm just – with them, I'm definitely a see it. You know, I got to see it to believe it with them because I'm not I'm not sold. Okay. Not sold. I get it. All right. Well, I've got nothing else. Um, any final thoughts from you? Yeah. Uh, and I'll make this relatively quick. I Something that grinds my gears is when a, like when a minor league prospect is first coming up and they get to the big leagues, why are we shifting and overplaying them defensively? let this guy prove what he can do at the major league level. Like, I don't care if the guy hit 99 out of a hundred balls, you know, if he pulled them each one, like, let's see if he does it in the big leagues, right? Like those triple A guys aren't major league guys, especially against established guys. But as soon as the guy comes up, it's, Oh, let's put on the shift or let's like, no, let's see what he does. Because also it goes back to your pitching plans of, of what you're doing, you know, to guys I've seen so many times, and this is even established guys, you know, or, you know, rookies, you have the infield shifted to one side, but the pitcher is still throwing them away. Like you're making it easier for that batter to hit that pitch, you know, just kind of dinking and ducking, get a base hit. But like I say, yeah, it's that, I mean, it kind of takes you back to like um, AU tournaments or travel ball stuff. Like when you got there, you didn't immediately just start shifting or, moving around knowing what guys were doing because you had that much confidence in your pitcher that, yeah, it might be a lefty. I'm not about to shade him to, you know, to right field when I have a pitcher that's throwing, you know, pretty hard, he's going to chance are he's going to be late on it. And I gave up a double on a ball that probably would have been a single or been caught had I not been playing in a stupid shift. So um, let's, let's stop doing that stuff. That's my little grind my gears, get off my lawn. Yes, I'm the old school guy moment of, of the show. I hear you. Well, um, it's officially Mike Trout MVP season for me. Officially, just I'm I am I my optimism for the Tigers has completely faded. I have zero optimism anymore. I had a lot of optimism coming into the season, no optimism anymore. So I am now officially just rooting for Mike Trout MVP again. And that is my final thought of the night. Still rooting for Jeff Howard to get fired. That I understand. (laughs) Go cards. We'll see y'all next time.